This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore humanity. This is the second of my interviews today with Jennifer Reeder, being selected again at the Berlin and Tribeca Festival in 2023. This, like Knives and Skin, is a coming-of-age story, but the difference is a young woman, Kia McKinnon, who is Johnny, who meets her eccentric aunt, played by Alicia Silverstone. Johnny is on a journey to discover who she truly is. Welcome, Jennifer Reeder. And uh, as I was saying in the pre-interview phase, I think you've done it again with uh, Perpetrator. I think it's uh, a really neat film, and we'll talk a little bit more about it with no spoilers. And uh, Tribeca again. Yeah, just like um, just like Knives and Skin, uh, Perpetrator is doing the kind of Berlin world premiere, Tribeca North American um, premiere, which was uh, you know which served that film you know well previously. So I'm really happy to to uh, to have premiered it, world premiered it um, in this past um, this past February in Berlin, and then yeah to bring it to bring it home um, to Tribeca in June. Sci-fi talk continues, so stay tuned. What's it like to to be there a second time? You think it's it's going to be different for you than the first time? I'm sure. You know, I feel like there are um, festival programmers or you know festival directors, fests in general that talk about you know supporting the filmmakers, not just the films. And you know, I appreciate when a festival like Tribeca and the programmers like Matt and Kara and Jared really like say what they mean or mean what they say. So to yeah. say. And certainly I it's not it's never a given. I mean, you know, simply because I've screened there before, it's it's not a it's not a given that I would ever screen there again. And so I don't take for granted, you know, this this invitation in particular. Um but I just deeply appreciate that that's the the sense from this festival that's like um, you know truly like yeah we want to we want to work with you to to you know to bring this you know to bring this film to to North America and and uh, yeah so that kind of support and enthusiasm like over many years and I hope there's more years to come is is really meaningful to me and my gosh, it's like, you know, to also have the North American premiere be in New York. I mean, I live in Chicago, as you know, and yeah, I dearly love Chicago. But, uh, you know, New York is a pretty special place to, uh, you know, to premiere a film. I agree. And especially at that festival, it really is a very special festival. And uh, I do miss being there in person, but uh, it, that's why there's Zoom. <laughs> so uh, yep. yeah, it's not a bad alternative. I was thinking about this film, and the thing is, at first I thought, oh, she maybe she just threw out all the horror tropes, and you know, and then just started from scratch. But really, I think the tropes are there. But instead of coming uh, going head on, you kind of came in from the side, you know. And that's what I like about it: familiar subjects, but yet done in a totally different way. That was to me very fresh, and I really appreciated the effort not to kind of do what's been done before. Oh, I appreciate that. Cause I definitely, you know, I, I definitely set out to, to make unexpected moves in, you know, in most of my films, not in a way that would ever be frustrating or confusing to an audience. Although I know that some of my films can be both frustrating and confusing to some, to some audiences, which is fine. I mean, I stand by the statement that, 
you know, my films are not for everybody, but the the fans who find these films, I think are really, you know, very, very special people. But yeah, I like making unexpected moves. And I've done that since the very beginning. So it's not as though, I mean, really from the beginning of my career, making more kind of like short experimental works. So it's, um, it's a kind of, um, pattern or process or like way of telling a story that um, has always been with me, but that I've been able to with each film sort of either get better at or even like, you know, change, change it up a little, try new things, take some new risks. You know, I would never, the worst thing that somebody could say about my films was, would be that they are sort of expected or boring or predictable or not, not risky, like not, not a challenge to even myself as a, as a storyteller. So with Perpetrator, uh, on the one hand that I wanted to, um, you know, to really work with not an ensemble cast, for instance, that was the case with, um, with Knives and Skin and with a, with a larger cast and from an original script. So thinking about, you know, our conversation with Night's End. Um, but I wanted to write something that was also a little less driftier than some of my previous films that, that really felt like, I mean, it had some of the, it had some of that sort of nuanced, maybe kind of melodramatic deadpan that I, that I just cannot resist. Um, but I wanted to make something that felt like, you know, kind of properly causal that was like really grounded in reality in a way that I think, you know, knives and skin sort of hovers just above reality, partially because I knew that, that our protagonist, you know, Johnny's own, kind of magical abilities and needed to have all that room. And I thought like, okay, we're going to, it's going to have, it's going to be able to, to get as weird as I want it to be. um, Only if like the, the kind of the plot is really, is really sort of grounded in causality. Well, I I tell you, I I look at it as a, in a way, a coming of age story Mm -hmm. uh, because she discovers who she is. And obviously I won't say much about it, but I thought Kia did a wonderful job. Uh, I mean, that's a lot on anybody's shoulders. And, you know, she pulled it off and had good support. Alicia Silverstone, I wasn't surprised because I had seen her in another film where she's kind of, you know, dipping into the horror side of things. And I loved her creepy aunt. I thought she was just some of the things she says and the way she delivered it. Perfect. I mean, it was like if she wants to play in this playground, she's more than welcome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I I had been thinking about her for years, actually. I mean, she was somebody who I was looking out even for, um, you know, even for Knives and Skin. I mean, we ended up casting Knives and Skin all the way out of Chicago. So it never, you know, the script never reached her at that point. But she was always in my mind. I mean, partially because making, making kind of coming of age films, especially if there are teen girls as protagonists, I love being able to cast somebody like Alicia whose own kind of personal provenance is uh, is a story in itself. You know, we were introduced to her um, as a teenager and she has, you know, become an adult um, sort of in, you know, the, in the Hollywood spotlight. And she is a fully grown adult, you know, who still has this like amazing kind of iconic backstory. And she's a, you know, she's a mom now and, I had also seen her in the lodge and I had seen her in um, killing of a sacred deer. You know, both of those are, you know, either genre, genre adjacent, you know, and she has small parts in those, but very unforgettable. 
I knew that she, that it was a, that it was a chance. I was like, I think we can, I think we can get her, you know, I think we're, we can get her. And she loved the script. She loved this character. And I think it was, a, had a lot to do with that. The fact that she also can, she still gets cast or I think probably, you know, uh, thought of as, as this kind of, you know, easy breezy, you know, blonde Southern California girl. And, and, and part of her is genuine, is genuinely like that, you know, but when I started talking to her about Hildy and I said, you know, I really want to pattern Hildy after a combination of like a cool kind of Hitchcockian blonde, um, and the Miriam Blaylock, uh, character from from the hunger that that kind of immortal oh, yeah. from 1983 with with david bowie played by yeah. Catherine Deneuve. oh what a great film that was exactly too. so she watched that and then immediately was like i get it i got it you know she's like i'm obsessed and um <laughs> she really like truly sewed herself you know into the skin of this film and kind of loved you know loved playing this really slippery um you know slippery character but with this these kind of structured hairdos and these the capes and all of that kind of stuff yeah i couldn't agree more also with what you said about kaya yeah she is i mean you know she was on set every single day there's not one scene that takes place without her and mm. that is absolutely a lot to carry those are long days and um you know as you know we shoot it out of order you know so there were sure. some there were you know for her keeping track of kind of the before and the after of all of those kind of things and and understanding that her character has a very you know dramatic arc um i thought she did a great job and she has a you know not not unlike a lot of the, the actors that i've worked with she has a pretty hefty um theater background and i just really appreciate that there's something that's so physical about about theater and something that's so you know, this, this need to kind of read the room, so to say, when you're doing a live performance, that I think that for me, a role like this was, was one that was really well suited for someone like her, who, who has just this other kind of experience of, of live performing and, and kind of being in her, in her body or, or sort of understanding her, her, her body. And I think that the, the combination of the two of them is also, um, is also pretty cool. You know, I, I think one of the things that maybe people overlook is how effectively you use metaphor. And in uh. particular, in this film, I thought the use of blood as a metaphor was unbelievably well done. I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I could talk about scenes that were done and how they were shot. That would give way too much away. Uh -huh. But uh, But man, it was just, I really appreciated that from the nosebleeds to whatever, whatever. It was just really mm -hmm. well done. And uh, and I think that's one of the things that is really missing from a lot of films mm -hmm. is, the, is the correct use of metaphor. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's almost like a dying art. And that's really a shame. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's, it's, it's something that's really important to my storytelling, which, which is so much, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I started out, um, as a filmmaker, but in the, in the art world, making sort of like, you know, films in the, in the art world um, and the kind of experimental world. So that sense of poetry and, and, um, and metaphor and visual metaphor, again, have always been really um, important to me. So, you know, even just the kind of theory around certain 
colors, you know, and, and what that means. I mean, I feel like my, the art direction, you know, the production design are, are, are deeply essential narrative elements. And that's not to say that if you, if you don't pick up on that, then you've missed it by any means. I think it's something that, that can sometimes wash over someone and they have a really good experience of the film and they're not, they can't necessarily put their finger on like what has just happened to them over that, you know, 90 minutes. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with, um, delivering a sense of, of visual, visual metaphors. You have the story and then you have this, you know, lots of other symbols and, and, um, layers of, layers of meaning. And, you know, ultimately the, you are exactly right in the sense that I wanted the blood to be, um, kind of ever present, um, unrelenting pretty magical at the end of the day you know i mean mm-hmm. over this past several years when i've been asked um by the press or even in q and a's you know what what do you think uh, or sort of like why this kind of you know surge over the past you know 5 10 years of um with you know women um working in like the you know working in genre maybe even in particular in horror and i always like to say which maybe i've even said this to you before but you know are the most sort of famous um, monster, you know, Frankenstein's creature was invented by a teenage girl. You know what I mean? So That's I sort right. of feel like, I, I feel like, hold on a second, you know, this is not a, this is not a new thing, you know? And, and I also say that, that, you know, from a very young age, um, you know, women have a very particular and consistent relationship with blood. And so <laughs> there, you know, I mean, it's, and and it's not, and it's something that, that we don't, you know, that is also very kind of hidden in general, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. not to, you know, not to, 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 to take it there, but I mean, you know, that, that commercials for, you know, like menstrual products, you know, portray um like women's menstrual blood as being kind of like thin and pale blue, you know, is like, absurd i mean i'm not suggesting that i i take charge of of any of those commercials it would be a little too gnarly but it, it is it is something that that for women again from a very young age it is consistent it is um not deadly it can itself be kind of like gnarly and gruesome and yet you know like there's a part of our whole culture that is just like just erases it just evaporates that you know that part of our lives and i think something else that 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 exists in in perpetrator that also existed in in knives and skin is that sense that also from a young age i think that that girls are taught to be that they are prey you know girls are really taught sort of like you know that there are predators in the world um and that they have very little agency over that relationship so you know one should figure out pretty quickly how to how to use that fear as a survival tactic, which is just, you know, which, which really can kind of change a a young girl's DNA on some level. So, right. So there is that sense of, of, um, you know, even in, in perpetrator and the, and the kind of double, double or triple use of that word perpetrator. But, you know, there is this idea of this emphatic constant, you know, blood, and um and and it's it's uh, magical powers so to say uh and yeah this 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 the relationship between you know predators and prey and who gets to sort of be a predator and who is and who is prey sci-fi talk returns in a moment and then add to this i thought was it was really well done the way it was used but essentially poking fun a little bit at too much plastic surgery that we see 
you know, in the world today. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not just women, men too, you know, are doing it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I thought it, it was, it was enough to make you smirk a little bit and kind of add a little comic relief. Uh, was that part of the original script that you wanted to put that in? Oh, absolutely. Really part of the story also, or the kind of like under, sort of like an underplot, you know, of the story yeah. is this idea of, um, you know, our culture being obsessed with youth and beauty, especially among young women. And so there is that, that, um, sort of dogged and really destructive kind of holding on to youth and beauty among, among uh, um, some of the adults and especially among this, uh, with the, with the school nurse. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and, um, you know, that aspect of, of the story or in, part in particular, you know, let's say her, her bandages, um, are, you know, I've, it's like, um, it's another way of talking about sort of damaged, um, bodies or wounds that won't heal, which has been something that I've, a theme that I've worked with, um, previously, but yeah, it also is supposed to be darkly funny, you know, even sort of like leaning way into a kind of a campiness. I feel like I've, I've, um, I've been thinking so much about the way that I, um, use camp and genre together. And I was like, what is that? Like noir camp, camp, camp noir or something <laughs> like that. You know, there's something, there's something in there about, um, the way that I can kind of employ camp to get to sort of like turn us to make a joke in a scene in a way that's that's that a sort of the audience doesn't see it coming yeah no it's good it also it it's a funny way to make a point you know mm -hmm. and it really is and it totally does you know how it was used in the right places uh, because obviously you can go too far over and then the film becomes something else mm -hmm. you know and we've seen a lot of those where directors kind of lose control of what they're doing and and they mix too many things into a film, but that was used uh, just right. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, I appreciated that. Uh, but I see the progression from Knives and Skin to this. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, I know I heard that you you know shooting this in March in Chicago is not the best time of year to shoot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so but if you were shooting a warmer climate, then it becomes a war a different film, too. Yeah. So, you know, the environment's very important for this film. So, uh, you know. It yeah. And I think that, you know, we had always, you know, for instance, it was always in the script that Johnny would kind of wear this big sort of over oversized um, trench and combat boots. And, and I think that even it would have been even more uncomfortable for Kaya if we were shooting it in July in in Chicago, which can be extraordinarily hot and humid. And yeah. shooting it in March, you know, for instance, like one of the days that we were shooting in the cemetery all day long outside, it rained all day. And huh. that was a really uncomfortable day, but that footage is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, and that's not something that we, that we could afford in the budget, you know what I mean? So it was like very, you know, it was really, we were lucky and, and there were other days when it was, uh, it was rainy and, and, um, that we that also just made for that really made the scene and that was um you know anytime it starts raining on set you're just like oh no you know i mean at the end of it it's also just i don't i mean i can get wet you know we can all get wet but it's like continuity you just think like oh gosh is this yeah. does, this have to, does this have to cut together with something else and we really lucked out on that um 
but I think that 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 it was that it was a good you know it was like that that schedule you know ended up working out as cold and rainy as it as it was really the last point i want to make is it's really that the film has so many layers girl going to a school a new school trying to blend in i've been through that and mm-hmm. that's hell mm-hmm. and uh you know and and then also uh you know just her character as mm-hmm. she goes throughout the film and she develops and actually, even the surprise for me was Alicia Silverstone's character. Mm. You know, the way she, you you get clues about her a little bit. The house, the way she wears her hair and her clothes. And then towards the end, it it, you know, it pays off. And the same thing for her. If you set those things in motion uh, and if you don't pay it off, you, the audience is lost. You know, mm-hmm. it's just lost. So I, that's another thing that I really appreciated. Well, and I appreciate you saying that too. And, and you know, I, I know that I, uh, like I am a kind of an excessive storyteller. You know, I really know that that sort of like just when you maybe think that all the storylines have been delivered or all the care, you've, you've met all the characters, you, you're just going to kind of like ride the film out, you know, then there's like an, another element that gets introduced or, you know, another character that gets introduced. So even the sort of um, not spoiling it also, but, you know, a new, a new parent, I will say a new parent, you know, arrives um, sort of at the top of like the third act. And I remember having conversations, you know, with my um, producers and, and, you know, other people who had been writing the script and they're like, I didn't mean, that's a really, that's really late in the script to introduce somebody new. And I said, yeah, but it, you know, it ha- that's where she has to happen. That's where, or yeah, that's where, that's where she must enter the story, you know, and even as a consumer of films and I watch films all the time, I, I appreciate it a good sort of juggernaut, you know, I appreciate a, a good film that, that um, where it's, it is, it's dense and um, complicated and maybe even a little messy at times. And then, you know, it, it sort of, it feels satisfying at the end, even if all of the, kind of narrative threads aren't so cleanly so cleanly tied up uh and I can I wouldn't I can't imagine myself sort of ever backing away from that from that want to just kind of you know be be a little excessive but again you know I I don't want someone walking away from this project or walking away from from this film rather and just having sort of no idea what was you know, what was happening. And there yeah. was some, I mean, we got, we had great, you know, reviews coming out of, um, out of Berlin. I mean, the ones that sort of like weren't, weren't fantastic simply said things like visually stunning and takes risks, but it doesn't make much sense. And of course that's really frustrating because I thought, no, it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm sorry that you're maybe just like a, you know, a kind of a, you were expecting something that, that was um, a little, a little more, basic i mean we live in a world where you know a lot of things are fine basic and you know that's not ever where i will land as the you know as a storyteller or of a of a a consumer of of um of stories yeah don't you dare don't you (laughs) dare land that way (laughs) no i mean it's like i think that every time you know it felt like i took some risks with knives and skin and people were like okay all right and then you know with this one i took even you know more risks i mean different kinds of risks um, and I think that the two of them are really are are sort of 
it's like cousins, you know, I mean, I think that they yes. are, they're, they're in that they're in the sort of like same um, universe for sure, yeah. but there's, but they are not, it doesn't, you know, one doesn't, you know, cancel the other out or they aren't like sort of like too, too similar or they don't, they feel like they, they, they definitely come from my sort of like heart and head. Yeah. I mean, having that kind of Berlin Tribeca, you know, and then it's going to have some, it's going to have a nice kind of um, a festival life before it, before it eventually lands on, on shutter. And we've gotten a lot of, you know, not oh, most, place, yeah. most, most aren't um, announced yet, but I feel like, you know, so many of the kind of like official selections that have, that have come in, you know, between since, since Berlin even um, are really saying to me, like, yeah, you can, you know, keep, keep going. You can, you can, you know, oh, yeah. get, get weird or stay weird. So yeah, absolutely. Feeling. Actually, for those that are going to be attending the festival, mm -hmm. I do want to point out that screening-wise, there uh, there's Sunday, June 11th, 7.15 at the SVA Theater, which I've done many round uh, red carpets on that. Mm -hmm. uh, also at the AMC at 19th Street, at 19th Street, East 6th, June 13th. Those are in the evening. And you can check it out on the Tribeca site and then Village East on Wednesday, June 14th. But the beauty of it is, of course, you can watch it online as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that Tribeca has done the last few years, and I, I applaud them for that. Yeah. So even if you're not in New York, but if you are if you are planning to, that is a festival to see. And uh, New York is always a great place to visit. So good luck. Yeah, and I would say anybody who's like who's attending the festival, the the June 11th um screening uh is is you know one where you know i will be there doing a q a with um, members of the casting including kaya and alicia and and chris lowell and some of the amazing sort of supporting cast also and uh, as well as my dp and my editor and nick zinner the composer so yeah the that'll it's going to be a fun night yeah that was a good score too by the way i like the mm -hmm. score a lot so that was yeah. great Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. Best of luck. Enjoy New York and, and have some fun because you certainly have earned it. Uh, thanks, Tony. Good talking uh, to you again. Always a pleasure. If you attend the Tribeca Festival, you can see it there. It'll also be available online at the Tribeca site. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.